Hello and welcome to Facilitating Extraordinary Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier, and it's my privilege today to have Rita Urbanic join us on the podcast. Rita, you and I have worked together, I think weekly at least, for the last 18 to 12 months, so um, this should feel like a routine session for us. Um, Rita is the Administrative Director of Population Health at Hill Country Memorial. Rita, I know you do a lot more than just population health. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role and maybe your background in healthcare? Sure, happy to do that, Travis. Um, so as Travis mentioned, my name is Rita Urbanic. I um, started my career actually in patient safety and quality after I received my master's in health administration uh, from Cornell. In my current role as administrative director of population health, uh, it crosses a wide scope of services really focused on following that continuum of care and how do we take care of the whole person across our community and our contiguous counties. And the natural progression of that is there's a lot of performance excellence and performance improvement pieces in, in that role. So most recently uh, in the last uh, year or so, I've taken over the performance excellence program at Hill Country Memorial. So I've been at Hill Country Memorial about three and a half years now and just uh, excited to be here with you. And it's been great working with you on our performance excellence program. Yeah, well, thank you, Rita. And the other thing, when you were talking briefly about your role in performance excellence, you know, I think some people, um, everyone navigated the pandemic differently. One of the things that I've admired about you is that you took that opportunity over the last, you know, six to even nine months to not only get your ASQ green belt certification, that you also decided to get your ASQ black belt certification all over the span of, you know, at least 12 months. So congratulations on getting those significant um, certifications. Well-deserved for sure. So that does segue into this first question. You know, this episode, we're going to talk about performance excellence. We're going to talk about digitization and some of the work that you all, I think, are leading the way in digitization and having that background of what did it look like kind of pre-pandemic to where you all are now But one of the things I vividly remember, and this had to be close to March of 2020, we had developed a very robust roadmap for our performance excellence work, essentially for all of 2020. What improvement projects did we want to do? What Kaizen events did we want to do? What designs did we want to do? And essentially all of that came to a stop when the pandemic hit. And I personally remember this because it was one of my kind of defining moments of leadership when, you know, Jane Pope, your CEO, um, we had a discussion and Jane's like, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty right now, but we've got a commitment that we've made to our patients, our communities, our team members to continuously improve. And we've got to find a way to do this work virtually. And I just reflect back on that, that, you know, there were so many unknowns at that point and um, Jane's commitment to this continuous improvement culture that you all have, I think was just highlighted during those discussions. And what would you add to that when you think about Hill Country's commitment to performance excellence and um, continuous improvement? Because I think it's important for people to understand that as we start transitioning to, okay, how does digitization fit within this picture? Sure. And, you know, you you said it when you said culture, right? So, um, we 
we ask a lot of our team members. We ask a lot of our, our departments. We want the very best for our community that we serve. Uh, you know, our mission of remarkable always we define as remarkable being top decile in the nation. Uh, we hold ourselves to an incredibly high standard because that's what we would want for our community members. That's what we want for our families that we serve. So part of that is then how that translates into our performance excellence program and that the way we drive improvement is the vehicle through which we deliver that care. And if we're going to continue to ask more of our team members, and especially in a pandemic where everything else didn't go away, we were just asking more and then more and then even more of all of our, our team members in our organization, we had to do performance improvement at the same time in order to create a vehicle to make that possible. So um, I don't know how we could have serve the community in the way that we've been able to without performance improvement because they're so inextricably linked together. Yeah, that, that's a really good summary of what I feel every day that I work with you all. And I think that, you know, Jane's commitment to that was a catalyst for what we're going to talk about for essentially the rest of this episode. And it's taking what may be traditionally manual processes and challenge the way that we've looked at those and ask questions around, well, how do we digitize this? Not just to digitize, to say we digitize, right? We wanted to make sure that this was, you know, meaningful transformation. So again, I, I've seen this work firsthand and just been extremely um, grateful to be a small part of that. But why don't you talk a little bit about that journey of where you all were kind of pre-pandemic through, okay, we're finding new ways to maybe do these processes differently to digitization. Do you have some examples maybe you could talk about when you, when you think about digitization and work that you all have done? Yeah. So our pre-pandemic world, I think, is one that a lot of people can relate to. We had some really epic cork boards. We had lots of paper. We huddled around those cork boards. We had all of our, our graphs and our reports and our charts all posted up with um, you know, sticky notes and everything else. We then at the end of a project, put all of that in a binder and all of those projects in that binder then went into a, a file folder system. And we had that for years. And when we realized that huddling around a corkboard wasn't really going to be a sustainable uh, post-pandemic model, it really drove us in, in working with you, Travis, to come up with how can we do this differently and how can we, we digitize that? So what we transitioned to was a, a, a cloud-based database system where all of our projects could live in, in one space. And so you would have all of those same materials and your, your charters and your reports and your data, but it could all be connected and linked through this cloud-based database to records that you could have all of your projects in one spot. And you could go back historically, even to the ones that we did before and see what were the projects that we've done and how have we uh, continued to grow in our performance excellence journey. Ultimately, if it was just an electronic filing system, it wouldn't have added as much value because you're just moving your files from paper to a computer. But really what this cloud-based database has allowed us to do is to introduce other aspects of automations and triggers and workflows that enable us to be even more meaningful and efficient in the way that we perform that, that performance excellence process. 
So um, that to me is the biggest value that we've had out of that process of digitization. It's just not just scanning paper documents and putting them into a computer system. So now you have an electronic file folder that gets lost in the weeds. What you really have is a management system with workflows and triggers and automations associated with that. Yeah, I, I just love, and I just jotted that down, Rita. I love the way you stated that because I, I know early on, it's interesting how uh, you know innovation evolves over time, but early on we were just focused on you know, that immediate need of how do we get out of this paper-based world and convert this to digital just so we can have the same level of transparency and meet people where they were. And it quickly evolved and we realized that this ultimately is a knowledge management system now, and it's helping us create organizational wisdom in ways that we never thought of in the past, because I know exactly where that file folder was in your organization. And how often did we go there and try to find, you know, project assets? Um, so I like the way you articulated that. You know, when you talked about the cork boards, um, you know, that's specific to your alignment board process. And Rita, one of the things that I know that you had your fingerprints all over was doing a cycle of learning around the alignment boards. Talk to us about how you digitize those. And one of the things I vividly remember is when you had some of those early focus groups and how long that the, the previous process was taking team members to complete to getting some feedback after um, and how long that process was taking. So maybe tell us a little bit more about that alignment board story, because I think it's a great one. Yeah, th thank you. Um, so alignment boards are, you know, our, our departmental boards where we really have a, a visual, a, a visual communication with our team members around what are, what are your department goals? How does that relate to the strategy of the organization? What are the tactics that we're doing in each department to drive those department goals? And what are your results? So at any point in time, a team member can go to their alignment board and be able to speak to and understand how the things they're doing every single day tie to their department goals, which then tie to our strategic goals of the organization. And one of the things that um, I think is, is so refreshing and wonderful about Hill Country Memorial where I work is that the leaders all really love these alignment boards and they're they're really engaged in using those as a communication tool and an education tool to drive improvement in their areas. The way they were doing the alignment boards before, however, were really, it was clunky for them. Um, it was asking, the process was asking things that not everybody was comfortable with in terms of using Excel and exporting and importing and, and doing different kinds of activities that not everybody had the same comfort level with. So what happened as I did these focus groups is to just learn a little bit uh, about how we were utilizing our alignment boards is that people started to have offshoot processes where they would just do it themselves in a different way so that they could get the end result that they were looking for. And what came out of all of that innovation that each of the departments independently started doing because they valued alignment boards so much was this process where we were able to create a trigger where I am able to, to update our strategy goal performance, send that out to a group of people with the, um, essentially a, a simple couple of clicks and a, a submission form and everybody gets their copy of their strategic goals. They have a, a simple form where they fill in their department goals that then automatically gets sent back to them so they can print it and put it right up on their wall. And so what's left is 
a really more meaningful conversation around what are the tactics you're doing in your department and what are your results. And so they were able to shift the amount of time they were spending on their alignment boards from the front half, which is just defining your department goals, to the back half, which is actually driving improvement and discussing tactics with their team, which is exactly where you want your leaders spending their time, is on the back half of that alignment board around tactics and driving improvement, not on copying and pasting and, and typing out extensive department goals. Yeah, you know, it it eliminated a lot of the variation that you mentioned that eliminated a lot of the waste. And, you know, when we first started um, understanding that workflow, I remember someone said that it was taking them, they would allocate like eight hours to prepare their alignment board. And now it's taking them, you know, 15 minutes. And I think that's just a significant breakthrough of how, you know, you you've taken a process that wasn't in this digitized world and, um, really leverage the technology to, you know, accelerate that process. You, you didn't take a technology solution and try to force it onto the process. You all designed the, the technology to mold around your process. And I think that's been such a key theme for all of the work that you all have done around digital. And that was a big part of the commitment too. I mean, yeah. it was a commitment when we started that work that we were it, we, if we were going to make a cycle of improvement, it was going to save time where they needed it so they could spend that time where it should be spent. So, um, you know, our goal was less than 30 minutes. And what we uh, heard back was it was taking everybody about 15 minutes to set up their alignment boards. Yeah, that's just great. That's great. You know, you mentioned automation a couple of times and a lot of the digitization work does um, rely on kind of process and then an output that triggers some activity. Is there a recent example of automation that you all have worked on that you think um, is gonna be beneficial? Um, it seems like you all are coming up with something new every week, Rita, so that's why I'm asking. <laughs> I try. Yeah, um, yeah one of the most recent iteration of introducing more automation into our performance excellence program is around um, project closure and monitoring. So what we found, um, the problem we were trying to solve was really so often we would have a performance improvement project, it would conclude, and then it would get lost. So we we would intend to have a monitoring process of every month or um, you know every couple of weeks, and then we had this checklist form to say, did you complete your project? And then it was a lot of manual. Uh, hunting and pecking around making sure that that project continued if it had an ongoing measure and really knowing what those measures are and what those making sure that those deliverables were concluded. So where we moved to, which I'm really excited about, is that uh, in our project management system, we have triggers where something's an active project and then it flips to a monitoring project. And when I make that change, when I change something from an active project to a monitoring project, there's a form that goes to the identified project leads that walks them through the deliverables, if their project was successful, what their measures were, what was the value at the start of their project, what was the value at the end of their project, and was this an ongoing monitoring measure that they're gonna continue to to integrate into their operational flow? And if it is, who the owner for that is with their name and their email address. It also has the opportunity through attachments for them to upload all of their project documents. We have it all in one spot. And so at one at the end of every project, when I make that change from active to monitoring, the project lead goes through and answers all of those questions and uploads their documents. And from that, then every single month, every 30 days, 
anyone who is listed as owning an operational measure that's ongoing monitoring receives an, a form that triggers them to update their, um, their information and their, their data measure. We, the, we've gotten some really excellent feedback on the project closure form. We are just now moving into that monitoring. So we'll have our first cohort of monitoring measures in the next 30 days where that'll be automated and ongoing. So this is really new. But what I'm excited about is that it, it takes some of the confusion from the teams around what's next. So it creates some consistency and around expectations of what to do once your project's concluded. And it allows me to manage by exception. So I can look through and if there's a submission that's missing or if there's questions or if there's concerns, I'm able to spend my time helping support those teams in their control phase monitoring efforts, as opposed to move, spending all my time moving pieces of paper around. Yeah, Rita, that's a perfect example of, of digitization, automation, and really, you know, that you, you hear, hear the term sometimes robotic process automation, that just by you clicking a field um, triggers all of those workflows that you mentioned. And ultimately what that does is it helps our project leaders be successful. You know, a lot of training curriculum, you know, we used to traditionally throw that at project sponsors, leaders, and hope that they retain that. But what I heard in that example is that we're giving them exactly what they need when they need it wrapped in support. And, you know, I just think that that's such a perfect example of, of how when used properly, digitization can be such a strong catalyst and enabler. Um, and it's obviously saving you hours of time, Rita. I, I can't imagine you trying to manually send So out. many hours. Yeah, right. right. Closure. <laughs> so um, that's a great example. Um, you know, you mentioned monitoring and, and kind of measuring in that example of automation. If you don't mind me asking, what do you see the future kind of looking like around digitization? And I tee that up knowing that you're doing some work right now around a specific category around Baldridge. So yes, uh, all my other hours, all those hours I saved, what I'm spending them on. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where are they going now? So what's that future look like? So maybe share a little bit about that with the group. Yeah, so we are in the process of essentially building our organizational category seven, according to the Baldrige methodology, in the same data management cloud-based database. And the, the power of that and the reason why we're spending all that time is, one, it allows for workflows that streamline keeping your category seven updated over time. But two, one of the biggest challenges that we face is making sure that the projects we select for performance improvement are the right projects. So we as an organization, we, we lead according to the Baldrige model and uh, category seven really becomes then a source for us to be able to know where are our biggest areas of opportunity to float those up in a meaningful way to um, our leadership team select the right projects at the right time, and then flow that right into that project management cycle. And so by digitizing and having a data governance system within this cloud-based project management software, by doing all of that with our CAT7, it takes 
significant amount of initial build, but the management of that is then really straightforward. And it gives us the tools at our fingertips to be able to make sure that the performance improvement activities we're doing are the right ones. So ultimately it'll have an entire cycle where you have your CAT 7 and your measures that drive your business and then identifying the opportunities in those measures that then become teed up to be process improvement projects. So then you kick off the project, which then moves through the performance PDCA cycles that then end in monitoring and project closure. And all of that becomes um, a cohesive system that makes us more effective at what, at what we do. And I know the amount of work that you're, you all are putting into that category seven module of the PEOS. Um, and I do think that that's going to be tremendous when, you know, you get that complete and like you said it the best, it's like a data governance module and there's automations that you can build into that to, to gather data in very efficient, effective ways. And it ultimately becomes that closed loop, like you said, around project selection and, um, kind of that, that full cycle that you mentioned. Um, you can really know where your gaps are because, um, you know, we had lots of different inputs into our project selection before. It's not that we didn't, but it, if you're not consistently following a methodology and, and CAT7 is a really great tool for this, from an operational perspective, you can easily miss something because of whatever is the brightest, shiniest object that you're looking at in the moment. And so having some thoughtfulness and rigor around what data are you looking at, how frequently, and how does that inform your performance excellence program has been really meaningful for us. Yeah, that's great. Well, Rita, this has been a great episode. I really appreciate your time um, and all of the work that you're doing at Hill Country it's just incredible. And you're really leading the way around digitization. And um, I do think it starts, you know, at the top with Jane and um, the culture that you all have there is just a gift. And I know I personally enjoy um, working with you all as much as I can. So um, Rita, appreciate your time on today's episode. And I'm sure if I look at my calendar, we've got something probably scheduled right after this. <laughs> Probably. Well, well, thank you, Travis. I am so grateful to my colleagues at Hill Country Memorial and the team that I work with every single day. They're a phenomenal group of people and, um, and having uh, you and your team as, as part of our extended Hill Country Memorial family has been a, a wonderful experience for me. And um, I'm excited about all the, the work that we have ahead of us. So thank you for having me today. Perfect. Thank you, Rita. 